From Cowork Five Nine One Studios, this is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. I'm June Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest. Tonight we have a co-host, uh, one of the board members of the Steve Brown Arts Center, Carol Masteller. She's here from Los Angeles um, for Christmas, and her friend Mahmoud Abed is with her as well as a guest in the audience. Um, glad to have you with us. We are sponsored this week by Reyes Concrete Service. They are at 509 Franklin Street in Jessup. It's out in Littleton, actually. Their number is 319-939-9225. Another sponsor, and please support our sponsors, the Littleton Lounge. Their hours are from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Their address is 5111 State Street. That's 511 State Street in Independence. And that's right across from Reyes Concrete. And the third sponsor is the Littleton Chatham Historical Society. The Littleton Chatham Historical Society strives to accurately document, promote, and preserve the history of the Littleton and Chatham area to cultivate interest and educational understanding for future generations. They've been a kind sponsor since we started. We are working to add two other shows to our podcast network coming in the coming months. Um, a music podcast. We were supposed to have a, a group tonight, but uh, because of sickness, we, we're going to push that back a little bit. Then we'll also have another one called Stories from the River Road Boulevard, and we're putting stories in the can for that. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for the community engagement. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for contributions of labor and maintenance of the buildings and grounds. Now the news and city report. There's not much this coming week on the agenda. The, the new business includes uh, the appointment of Fire Chief Andy Trumbauer. He's been the Fire Chief for a while now. The reappointment of Ambulance Chief Kim Ligenfelder for her second term in a row. And then there's a new volunteer, um, Tony Ba, is approved on the Fire Department as a volunteer as well. There's going to be a change in order wastewater treatment plan improvements in the 2020 project. So that will be a pretty short board meeting coming in this coming Monday, or the day that this airs. Cowork 591 Studios, this is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest, and we have co-host Carol Masteller tonight. And tonight we're talking with Lola Devlin and Savvy Bain, two seniors that are involved in Joseph Caps. Um, thanks for coming in, ladies. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Could you uh, first tell us a little bit about CAPS? So CAPS stands for the Center for Advanced Professional Studies. It allows students and currently in high school, juniors and seniors, to 
not necessarily go full-blown into the business professional world, but teaches them the skills that they wouldn't necessarily learn in the traditional classroom setting. Okay. And this is... uh this is the, the the end of the first semester, correct? Correct. Yes. So what have you done with this semester, Savvy? So we started out with onboarding. So we learn, um, like we do a personality training and a leadership training and a design sprint. Mm-hmm. And then we um, start working on projects. And then we work on those projects throughout the semester. And we do job shadows and career exploration, kind of all okay. at the same time. So yeah, so you've got a, a, a showcase coming up on your projects, correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. So, so um, how many students are in CAPS? Currently, I think ten. there's ten of us. Yeah. There, there's ten, and what are some of the the projects that that have been done in there? So we had a couple of students do a mentoring program. They at at the school they partnered with the. the elementary guidance counselor up there and so twice a week every week they would go up there and work with the kids and I'm not necessarily sure what they did but from my understanding they played games with them they just interacted with them and just it was kind of a time for the kids to come in and just do something with the older kids that's with Mrs. Bauer, is that right, Mrs. Um, Bauer? The I think they partnered with Dorothea Bovey. Oh, yeah. okay, and the, with the younger kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, so the showcase. What is the date of the showcase, and what time is the showcase? January 11th, from two to four. Okay. It'll be like an open house. It, is it? That's open to the public. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. All mm-hmm. right, good. Anybody's welcome. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, it's it's Mrs. Kitch is the teacher of that class, correct? Yes, she's the instructor. Okay, and then uh, who have you had for outside uh, outside presenters? We have had a. Um, I have to think back. We have had Zach Knutson come in, and he has given his career path journey. He talked about that with us. Lizzie Weber talked Lizzie about Lizzie Weber hers. came in. Um, Mr. Ray, our principal, came in and talked a little bit. John um, Bergman. John Bergman. We had a guy from the UNI Career Services come in mm. and explain resumes and job shadows and applying for a job with us. There was probably a few more people. I just can't <laughs> think of them right now. You're right. Um, the, the, uh, what caught, what speaker or what presenter caught your your attention the most do you think no i would definitely say john bergman mm-hmm. i knew what he did mm-hmm. for a living but not necessarily as in depth and then when he came in i was like oh wow i didn't know you did that kind of stuff so yeah. it's a crazy job for sure it's a very crazy yeah. job kudos to him for doing it i could never yeah we had john on as a uh, as a guest a couple weeks ago actually mm-hmm. so he is he he does a wonderful job of uh, ta- of presenting his uh, profession, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. he does. He does an amazing job. And he, you know, he he's he's so busy. Oh yeah, very busy. <laughs> yeah. Never uh, gets a break. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't seem like it. He's, uh, as a matter of fact, I think right now he's working on a uh, something special for for his branch of the government. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So from home. Gotcha. The second thing, and this is the thing that has drawn me, uh, that I wanted to talk to you guys about, is Caps is having a, a talent show. Correct. Yes. Yes. We are in charge of that. Yeah, you <laughs> got and that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us about that. How, what made you want to do that, etc. 
So we have a project board at CAPS that's pretty much anything that could be done for the community. And we saw that CoWork wanted to do an interactive activity. Um, they'd done it before with an escape room and a trivia night. Yes. So we approached Tony and Kelly and asked kind of what they were looking for with this. And they said they would love to have performers in. So we said we can absolutely make that happen. Mm -hmm. And we reached out to people in the community yeah. we know had talent and organized that. We were we were talking about this before we went on the air. Um, how many acts do you have? I think we have eleven or twelve, mm -hmm. somewhere I, in that range. Yeah. Are they all in school, or are some of them out of school? No, we've got people from all across the community. Um, we've got, I think, four or five students, and yeah. the rest are all adults from around Jessup. Okay, okay. Um, who are some of the students you're gonna you're gonna have in your show? So we have Carter Rout coming in. He's a very talented guy. Mm -hmm. um, we have Maddie Cooper coming in. She is also very talented. talented. She yes. sings beautifully. Um, we have the Bovey sisters. Yes, Hannah and Allison are coming in. Me and Kelly. Like there's one more. Yeah, you and Kelly are doing your speech oh, thing. Oh, and Matthew Phillips plays yes. the guitar. He's okay. coming in. Then who do you have for adults from the community? Well, we've got... Um, we have Mandy and Chet, Mandy McCleary and Chet Reagan. Um, we have a few co-work members. We have Breezy Decker, Brian and Gorman, Brian Gorman um, Austin Hamblin, Zach Knutson, Tony Lang, and Dusty Bain are all yep. going to be doing an improv special. Oh, really? The Three Musketeers yes. are back. <laughs> Neat. Um, what what what's the date on that? That is January eighth at, at three p.m. It's yes. a Sunday. Yes. Okay, so figure probably about an hour and a half. Yes. Yeah. It is limited to the first 50 people that show up, though, just for space in here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't want it too crowded. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, what, are the, what are some activities you ladies are involved in at school? I am a part of our cheerleading program as well as our archery program. Um, I am a part of our student union, that kind of stuff. Okay. And so... Um, I'm in student union too on speech, um, and I do the plays and drama, that kind of stuff. What what is for for the listeners out there? What is the student union? So the student union is our student council, like our student government, and our NHS committee combined into one. So it ranges from multiple kids there are certain expectations a certain gpa you have to have in order to get in service hours service hours you have to be active in at least two activities two extracurriculars um and then there's a special committee of the executives where you have to meet a certain gpa for that as well mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, we talk a lot about on our podcast is is service in the community mm -hmm. so um, i'm interested what what have you guys done for service Concession stands yes. a lot. Uh, Tons of concession stand hours. Um, we also, for CAPS this year, we went and um, cleaned out an apartment for the House of Hope. Mm -hmm. They got new people to move into their apartment over there, so we cleaned it out and made it up for the next person to live there. Where's, yeah. that, where's that at? Um, in Waterloo. It's the place for women and children, like homeless women and children, mm. to live. Yeah until they get kind of back on their feet. So it was really cool to kind of see that and help with that. Yeah. 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 I, I know Kara's had a lot to do with with uh, shelters. 
and so mm -hmm. uh, that's due to her heart. So that's that's pretty cool. Ladies, is there anything about caps or the uh, talent show that you want that that I didn't ask that you want to tell us? Refreshments are provided. <laughs> yes, we okay. have some donations being made from the fellow Caps associates. Yes, we'd love to see as many people as possible at our showcase. Um, we've got a lot of really cool projects this semester that we would love to show yes. off. Definitely. That's how my schedule to come to is. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember. Someone called me and invited yes. me. Yes. So we were all put on We were all put phone. on speakerphone. <laughs> had to call people. Here. Half the time we didn't even know who we were calling. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was a what happens day. when you give Tony Lane control. <laughs> yeah. That, that is good for you. And a lot of people don't like to talk on the telephone anymore. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. so, ladies, thank you so much for coming in. Have a happy new year and good luck in your second semester here. Yes, thank you. Thank you, you for having us. Thank you. Kara, tell us about the library news. Little Tots Storytime meets every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Join us for songs, stories, and more. Uh, the Spice Club each month we will feature a new spice to pick up in a take-home kit that includes the spice information on its history and uses, and recipes to try. The December spice is Saigon Cinnamon. Get yours today at the Jessup Public Library. Santa Scavenger Hunt. We invite you to participate in a scavenger hunt around Jessup. There are 14 Santas hidden around town, each holding a different present. Scavenger Hunt clues sheets are available at the Jessup Public Library. Find all 14 Santas and return your completed sheet to the library during regular hours to receive a small prize. The scavenger hunt will continue throughout December. Uh, the Jessup Public Library is more than just books. We have several new items available for checking out. They include craft stamps and candy molds. They also have magazines, newspapers, cake pans, puzzles, games, STEM activity bags, cookie cutters, DVDs, a soap making kit, and more. Uh, you may also request materials from other Iowa libraries at no charge through the interlibrary loan system. The library will be closed. It was closed from December 26th through Christmas, and it will be closed again from Friday, December 30th through Monday, January 2nd for New Year's. Happy holidays from the library. Um, calling all coffee lovers, drinking coffee can help support the Jessup Public Library. The library has teamed with the Velvet Coffee Company to offer you a special bookworm blend. A portion of every purchase benefits the Jessup Public Library. You can also purchase it and other blends online at www.velvetcoffeeco.com. And don't forget to stay hydrated. A 30-ounce Polar Camel water bottle with the JPL logo is available for purchase online. Scan the QR code at the library to order. The Jessup Library, I guess, had a large number of Christmas books on display and ready to check out, but I'm willing to bet they have some Valentine's ones that will be coming up. Let's, let's look for that. Friends of the Jessup Public Library is welcoming new members. This nonprofit support organization improves the services and resources of the library, promotes citizen involvement in the community, and hosts fundraising events to offer programs and resources for all ages. Membership forums are available at the library. The Jessup Public Library Endowment Fund was established to ensure the longevity of the materials and resources for the community. We are growing this fund to positively impact current and future patrons of the library. Incentives are provided for contributions to the fund, which are deductible to the maximum extent permissible under current tax law. A financial advisor or attorney can help you make the best decisions for your funds to benefit the Jessup Public Library. 
It's easy to make a donation to the public library. Cash gifts give immediate support. Bequests provide future support for the library. And memorial gifts serve as a special tribute for a loved one. And finally, the thousand books before kindergarten. This program at Jessup Public Library is designed to be simple and encourage making reading a daily habit. Sign up at the library to receive a log to record your child's first 100 books or use a thousand books before kindergarten app available in your app store or on iTunes. Thank you, Kara. This is Steve Brown, our Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest and co-host Kara Mouse and Stellar. And we're here tonight with Dale Reber. Hey! Dale, thank you for coming in. I hope you had a good Christmas. I uh, actually haven't had it yet. This coming weekend, so we're New Year's Christmas. Those darn in-laws, you know. <laughs> Kids marry into other families, and they want to have a turn also. So. But we're having it this weekend, so everybody's coming. All right, good. The uh, Tell us about your family a little bit, Dale. What do you want to know? Well, tell us about how many children you have. Yeah, okay, I have three children, Joy, Chris, and Heather. And they're all in their 40s now, so they're getting older. And uh, Joy works in public health with a private company, and she lives in uh, Johnston. And Chris works for Target Corporation. He lives in Hudson. And Heather uh, works with, uh, well, actually, now she works with adults who work with kids who have autism. It's her first year with a new job. She taught kids with autism for 18 years, and this year she got a job helping people who work with kids who have autism. And uh, a very interesting job. She just travels and anybody has questions she just does what she can in uh, two or three different school districts so and I have uh, seven grandchildren one little girl was born and then we had six boys in a row so uh, so we have the grandkids and the oldest two are 16 and the youngest is what must be 10 now so oh, you've, been, you've been spending your time going watching one of them play basketball haven't you yeah the Chris's boy plays for Hudson and so uh, the hard part of that is they play Jessup every now and then. You never know which side to sit on. It's very strange. But uh, that's coming up. I think the 10th of January they play Jessup, and so that's always uh, difficult. But, uh, yeah, so Deb and I go to all the games. We try, we try. If we're in town, we go to the games. And so uh, no matter how far, we t- and he's, got, he's a junior, so and uh, he's in the top eight. So he used to play several minutes every game. And so uh, they're having a much better year this year. They have a lot of juniors. Last year they were an all-sophomore team. This year they're almost an all-junior team. And so next year they'll be all seniors, so that would be pretty good. I right. would think it's, especially if one of them grows a foot or two. So <laughs> would be helpful. Dale, how'd you, how'd you, get in, how'd you end up in Jessup? Where, where were you born and how'd you end up in Jessup? Okay, well, I, I grew up in Hazleton, which is not very far away from here. And a little town of 600. And I, uh, the last three years of high school, we, they reorganized. We had to go to Old Wine. And so I had a class of 17, and all once I was in a class of 200. And just the halls were packed, jam-packed. I had no idea, and I was really uh, just a hick from the sticks, uh, even in old wine. I mean, that's how bad I was. And so uh, I made it through high school by the skin of my teeth, thinking, okay, this is it for formal education. I'm done. And this was the year. If you want to be a veteran, all you had to do was wait for the postman to come because they were drafting people left and right. <laughs> and so uh, a lot of people got to be a veteran because of the U.S. mail. So I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get on my life. So I... Uh, I joined the Marine Corps, and I was in the Marine Corps for four years. And then uh, I had a friend who uh, I had gone through school with, and she was a teacher. I guess she's a librarian teacher. Had gone to UNI, and she wrote me a letter, and she says, you know, the, there's a movement now. They need men to teach in the elementary school. You want, you'd be good at that. You ought to try that. Well, I, 
I thought about that. Yeah, that sounds like something that would be a very interesting thing to do. And so uh, I applied at UNI and got in, uh, <laughs> barely. And uh, so then I became a teacher and uh, enjoyed it very Most of it I enjoyed very much. The first job I had was in Bettendorf, and I lived in Davenport and uh, was still single. Deb and I were engaged, but we weren't going to get married till the next year. Wasn't comfortable with the school system, wasn't comfortable with where I was living as far as, you know, the big city and all the traffic and this sort of thing. I just had never gotten over that. And so I, at the, uh, like halfway through the year, the guy asked me, are you going to come back next year? I said, no. And he said, oh, really? I said, yeah. And that's the stupidest thing. You never quit a job until you got a job. They always tell you, but I said, no, I got to get out of here. And so I sent out my resumes and cover letters and all that sort of thing. And one person gave me a call, and that was Mr. Savage. <laughs> and so I came and had an interview, and I had to leave Davenport or uh, taught school that day. Jessup was out, but we still had school. And so I drove all the way and picked up Deb in Rhinebeck where she was teaching. And uh, we got to Jessup like 7 o'clock at night. So I go in and talk, and Mr. Sapp is in his work clothes because the school's over and they're moving books. They're tearing down walls and making different classrooms because their enrollment was just going sky high. And so he had a fourth grade and a fifth grade. He had a couple fourth grades and a couple fifth grades, or I guess one fifth grade and one fourth grade is what I was interviewing for. And uh, so we interviewed them, you know how you talk and you talk and you talk. Well, Deb's outside waiting and it's getting dark and she's over in the swings and this kind of thing. And so we come outside and Mr. Sapp, you know, she comes up and he sees, wait, he says, why didn't you tell me that she was here waiting? And I, I didn't say anything, I thought, you know, it's not really nice to tell the guy interviewing you that, you know, you need to hurry it up because my girlfriend's waiting in the car. <laughs> uh, that's not a good way to get a job. But I found out that, that Mr. Sapp had taught in Perry and Deb was in his science class when she was in seventh grade. And so, you know how things come together. And so uh, I thought, well, that could be good or that could be bad. But anyway, a few days later, I got a nice call and uh, they offered me the position, which I took. And so, and nobody else that I'd sent a letter to, not a real. So anyway, I came here thinking, well, this is a place to start. And uh, uh, I came in August, I was setting my room up because I had a contract that said uh, fourth grade instructor. And so about two days before school started, I don't know what I said, Mr. Sapp said, uh, you know you're teaching fifth grade, don't you? I said, no, I didn't know that. And so I had all this, welcome to fourth grade stuff all over, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I'd go and tear it all down and redo it and everything. So uh, I had a fourth grade instructor contract two years in a row, and I taught fifth grade both years. And so, <laughs> so let's... Uh, he was a very interesting man to work for and very demanding and cared about the kids. Anything for the kids was, and uh, he, he uh, was in his teacher's rooms all the time seeing what they were doing. And it was so interesting because you'd write a lesson plan. He read your lesson plans every week. And he'd come, he'd write a note, say, you know, I was in so-and-so's room and they were doing something along this line. Maybe you ought to talk to them. They could give you some good ideas about it. And so he knew what was going on, you know, he had K through eight. And uh, so just, he just worked really, really hard. But uh, he, uh, he evaluated like nobody's, but he came in with a video camera and videotaped your lesson. And then you go in a couple days later, he'd go through that videotape here, 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 he had all the stuff. And uh, for a while, it's kind of, it's intimidating because, you know, you don't like to see yourself on camera. And then he's seeing little kids with his camera doing stuff that you didn't see him doing while you were there because you were watching over this way. And so I remember one time we were evaluating and, and I said, well, yeah, I see my, I'm down on this one area. And what happened? Oh, yeah, that, and so he starts, yeah, it's in this tape, it's in this tape. And he goes back and forth, back and forth, and he can't find it. And I said, well, if you can't find it, don't you think you ought to raise this number up a little bit? Oh, no, no, we can't do that, he said. So, uh, 
it was just uh, but uh, you could always tell the people that had worked for Mr. Sapp just the way they worked and how they uh, their, their work ethic and that sort of thing so it was very interesting so we, anyway I talked for 32 years and then we, we were talking off Mike um, Mr. Sapp Sapp passed away uh, not too long ago mm -hmm. and, and uh, that a uh, local reception for for uh, for Mr. Sapp, a get-together for Mr. Sapp out at the golf course. Right. Uh, what kind of crowd was out there, Dale? I, I don't know the number, but it was it was uh, a lot of the teachers that had worked for him. And then he lived in Jessup, so some of his neighbors were there. And uh, uh, one man, Mr. Seleski, that lived across the way, he, he had a lot of stories to tell. And mainly it was just Vicki Hutchcroft, who uh, knew Mr. Sapp really well. People have sent her, emailed her stories, Mr. Sapp stories, and so she read those, and uh, it was a lot of fun because you remembered all these things, and it was a lot of good laughing, you know, because uh, it was uh, some interesting times, you know, and uh, the one thing we had, I think, is we had a staff that basically stayed together for years and years and years, and we all got along with each other, and so we really had a, a tight little elementary school there, and we always thought we did a good job. There's no jealousy or, uh, you know, hiding something. You, If you had something good, you shared it, and uh, you knew that everybody had the same goal. They really was working for the kids, and so, so it was a real interesting time to teach. When I first came to Jessup, we, they had like four fifth grades, and there were 30 kids in each grade. You know, it was 120 kids in the, in a couple in the fourth grade was like that too. And then to see that farm crisis come in on once your class sizes go down and you only got two sections of some grades, and teachers getting laid off and uh, all that sort of thing. So there's just the highs and the lows of it. Then it kind of leveled out uh, a little bit. And well, that one year you even had to bail out, didn't you? Uh, yes. And the, you know, it, that, that was <clears throat> you know in the long run sometimes uh, adversity is good for you, Dale. Yeah. Well, you scared me that time. I was your assistant basketball coach. Do you remember that? The I, yeah. I remember that. Because <laughs> you told me that, now, if I get kicked out of the game deal, you got to run the team. <laughs> I really love basketball. <laughs> and I remember there, I, I was supposed to keep stats of some kind, and these two girls were so good about helping me, uh, you know, putting the because I I was just lost as lost could be because I wasn't a basketball guy and uh, but those two young ladies I don't know who they were but they were so very helpful and so nice to me it was really uh, I enjoyed the evening very much and so the Dale you, you've been involved a lot in Jessup tell us one of the things um, the Steve Brown Art Center talks about on the podcast is service uh, tell us some of the service you've done here in town because you've done a lot well I, I been involved with Farmers Day for a long, long time, and I was thinking about this. Uh, I was saving this for his funeral, but then he may outlive me. But I was the first summer I was here. I worked for Alan Wright, and we were going to pour cement over in the Duro edition, and we were going by the school. Once he stops the pickup and he puts the flasher on, right in the middle of the street, and he gets down and he grabs a broom out of the back and he said, "Get a bucket and a shovel." I, okay, so I get up and there's some broken glass in the street on Prospect Street and so he sweeps it up and I help him we get it into the bucket and he picks it up and we put it in the back door and he goes right on and I that really impressed me as far as you know a lot of people just drive around the glass drive but he stopped and he took care of it and uh, that really impressed me as how he would do that for his town and uh, one time we were, he picked me up to work and there'd been a windstorm the night before and a lot of trees had blown down in the cemetery so we went out there and we helped clean up the cemetery all day and you said, okay, now, is this an on-the-job day or is this an off-the-job day? And I said, well, I said, he's not making any money, so I volunteered by type, too. But it was uh, 
uh, he was a real role model for me as far as getting involved in Jessup. And so then he got involved heavily with Farmers Day, well then I kind of went along with him. And so I've been involved with the Farmers Day Committee for uh, a long, long time, putting that on. And uh, I was on the first park board. We developed Parker Muncie Park uh, with that first park board. I volunteered. Kathy Sabers and I did the Little League program for many years. Uh, I was on the library board for 12 years. I did a lot of church volunteering and uh, helping little old ladies and that sort of thing. I'm on a where if some you know their button you know, if they push the button and nobody can the first and second can't get to it then they call me and I go and try to usually it's somebody who has fallen I try to help them get back up and this sort of thing and so he's saying okay, okay how can I lift this little lady without breaking all her bones right. <laughs> or whatever but uh, uh, so I I do that and so I just I don't know and there's other things but I but that's the the, the big ones I think so. And uh, if I can help, I'm glad to help. Oh, you know, and you mentioned Alan Wright, and it, the he he's a great role model for all of us. I think you so. Know, yeah, the countless hours, but but Dale, you're a great role model for for all of us. You've uh, you did our first event for the Steve Brown Art Center. You you've you've been to our meetings. You you're doing this, and uh, one day I was talking to to uh, Tony Lang, and and he's right. He said, uh, "Bring Alan and and you together and and have a great conversation here." Mm -hmm. You know the, uh, and it's hard to, it's hard to get Alan to uh, yeah. to get him in front of a mic. He doesn't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. No, we, we had somebody that was from some news thing or whatever came and they wanted Alan to talk about something. He said, oh, he said we got a guy that does that for us. And he pointed at me, so so I had to do the talking. And so uh, no, he's not one to uh, and he. Again, he's purely self. He just wants to do the job and, and uh, provide the best Farmer's Day he can. He doesn't want a lot of accolades. And when they call him up front on the stage and this kind of thing, I can do every now and then, he, he doesn't care for it at all. He would just as soon stay in the background and, and do the job. And uh, Others of us, of course, would like to stand up. Eh, no, no, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> but it's, it's real fun uh, working with him. And we've got some, this, uh, I don't, we have a lot of good people on the committee. This Michael Fetgetter has started the, and man that kid is is doing a lot of good stuff for farmers day and so i can see him i hope he stays with it because uh alan's 87 years old so he, he seems ageless yeah he does i mean he he really looks very good and so yeah he gets mad at me though because like, he has a, a car that's 100 years old and i say that's it's a one owner car you know? <laughs> <laughs> the uh time times uh one of the things that you do is Teach people about Jessup Dale. How'd you how'd you ever get started with that? Well, I read the book. I was my wife was the librarian before Cindy Lilly, and we were in the old library where uh, the basins were, and I what's uh, there's that mod comp home thing in there now. They remodeled it. But anyway, I was waiting for her one night to finish up, and I happened to see this. It was the Jessup history book they'd written for the 1960 celebration. It was only about that thing. So I sat down, and I read the book. And so when uh, things came up, we had a celebration in 1985, and I, I think it was 125 years. So I, uh, they had a history book for that, and I was involved with the pageant and all that sort of thing. I got a history. So anyway, uh, when... Uh, I retired, I guess it mostly happened then, the uh, second or third grade, it, it changes were, the, the 
teachers that do it, wherever they are, that's what great teachers teach of history, because they take the unit with them. And they call and said, would I take them on a, a walk around Jessup and show them some of the older buildings and this sort of thing. So I read through the book again real quick, and so I kind of mapped out a route and talked about some of the older buildings in Jessup. We had a little trail we found and fit, made it fit the time that they had available. And so then they, even after I, they just keep calling me every year. And so I guess that's kind of how, uh, you know, the guy came and took a pic, Kim Adams came and took a picture one time, put it in the paper and that sort of thing. And so uh, that's probably how it got started, just helping out some friends who were teaching up there about Jessup history and sharing just what I knew. And of course, you know, if you're going to be teaching something, then you study a little bit more so you have something to say around and uh, actually hope that what you're saying is really true. But, uh, but anyway, the best thing is this last year, I think it was Our Iowa Magazine, sponsored some bus trips in Northeast Iowa and they were stopping at uh, Jessup and using this basement in the city hall for uh, coffee. Well, they had dinner there, they had breakfast, they had dinner different, and it was four different times. And Coley Mead, who was the city clerk, said they've been asking me if we have anybody that can talk about Jessup. And so I remember you doing those tours, so would, would you come and do that? I said, well, sure. So I went in and in the meantime, I, I was talking to Alan Wright about it. Well, he has a book that was written about Mr. Jessup. It's in like a 1910 copyright, something like that. But it's all it's a book they wrote about this one man. And very interesting man. I found out lots and lots of things. So I had a lot of neat things to share because I was wondering, I can't take these people on a walk and say, well, this is the building and this is the building. Uh, so I need to just talk to them here. Well, I found this book. And so that helped me a lot because I talked about the town and what the town had to offer, but I also talked about how we were named for this man who yeah. was actually a very wonderful man. And uh, so I knew a lot about him from reading the book. And so that helped me a great deal too. And then you had talked to me about uh, doing the Steve Brown thing there, so I already had the stuff kind of put together, so I was able to do that. And so I don't know, that's, that's the main reason. So that's one of the way little kids know me because all of, the, all of them have been with me at least one and a half hours or so on this walk as they go through second grade or third grade. And so it's kind of interesting to run into little kids. And yeah. The best time I ever had, I was teaching math, like uh, title math, and uh, kindergarten through fifth grade or whatever. And, uh, excuse me, I was working with the kindergarten. And he, but anyway, I was in the grocery store, and this man and his little daughter come down the aisle. I turn the corner, and look, ah, little girl, hi, and this and talk to me for a few minutes. And they go around the corner, hear the man say, who was that man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, oh, he says, that's the man that comes in at school and plays games with us. And I go, okay. <laughs> what a good thing to be known for, yeah. I guess. But, uh, the, the, Dale, I have a, one other thing, and we'll get you out of here. Kara and I were talking today about... Uh, the Jessup paper and just media in general, the uh, newspapers dying in our country. You mm -hmm. talked about Kim. Do you think there's any way um, that Jessup will ever again have a newspaper? Carol, you know, it, your thoughts on this. Um, you know, we talked about how we could start a paper again somewhere. Yeah, I think, I mean, the podcast, I think, is a good way to get the news out there. But we were talking at the library with some, um, you know, initiatives from independence, their art scene, and just, you know, I, I work with a lot of nonprofits in my work, and just hearing this through line of people want to know what's going on in their community, and they want to know it from a reliable source and an accessible way. So what I see, you know, I live in Los Angeles, um, the smaller communities outside of LA, 
just as I travel, we see small, uh, they're going back to print, just mm-hmm. little flyers, almost like the church bulletins. Um, people aren't going to go searching for the news. They want it, you know, yeah. right there, convenient and easy. But we've talked a lot about that's pretty dependent on uh, volunteers and uh, trying to build something that can outlive the existing volunteers and do it in a way that shows uh, all sides of the story is, is kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think it's feasible. It's just, you know, I think you don't know what you have till it's gone. And yeah. the Citizens Herald is something... I was able to read about my great-grandma's birthday party. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. never could yeah. have learned. So that's a question, you know. In well, no, Dunkerton has a small newspaper that someone puts together, and it's just free. Mm-hmm. And then Fairbank also has, like, the Island News or something I saw, and they have a, a paper that comes out with all the Fairbank stuff in it. And so I, even something like that to get started, you know, we don't need, a, you know, an eight-page, like a bulletin journal or anything but just a, a, a small newspaper where you can find out when this show is on or, or anything you know when's when are things happening in town because uh i don't think to look anywhere i would but if i had a newspaper i would because uh, that's what i've you know grown up with and so uh, i still get as many news i get two newspapers every day and i like enjoy reading them and uh so it's hard to take that computer into the bathtub, you know. <laughs> is is there still the Jessup Cablevision? Is that? No. No, that's not. No. Okay. And we changed. Well, they're out of the cable business, aren't they? The oh, cable, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's how long I've dark, been gone. <laughs> dark day in our town. So. <laughs> Can I ask you both, actually, what are the most significant changes you've noticed in this community since you've each moved here? Well, uh, a lot of it is that everything moved south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the bank used to be downtown, the drugstore was downtown, uh, the barbers were downtown, and all those kind of businesses, and the gas stations were, but all everything's out on the south edge of town, because uh, I guess where the most of cars are, I think, and uh, also uh, the housing development that is built, you know, across the road there, uh, mm-hmm. the, pet, uh, the the uh, Irish Emerald Acres, yeah, and so that kind of thing, uh, I. I think that's the biggest change to me is everything has moved uh, south as far as just the way the town is, and then all the homes that are being built. Well, actually, they had a few starter homes, but most of them are not starter homes. Most of them are homes for people that have a lot of money or hope to have a lot of money someday, Mm -hmm. and so they're bigger homes, and that's a a problem a lot of small towns have is that they don't have affordable housing for medium-income people just getting started with their family and that sort of thing. And so I would say maybe that's probably the big difference. Littleton is named exactly the same, except Gillespie moved there. So. <laughs> the, uh, believe it or not, in the last 10 years, from the last uh, census to this census, uh, Jessup's population has dropped 250 people. Yeah. Well, it's it's dropping. Only, yeah. It's only 12. They dropped 12 people? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the yeah the the you look it up again, but I think it's just twelve people. But I I think to my way of thinking the census was not really done very well with the COVID, and I I would love to have somebody come and count again because I can't believe that we went down. If you look at the census records, it was interesting because one ten years we went up like forty percent. I mean we had a huge growth spurt in between the sixties and the eighties, and then it went down. Uh, there, but we were on our way really just exploding. But I think, I don't think that's a good count, but uh, I, don't I don't know if they'll count again or not. But I don't know that that was unique to Jessup, that it no, wasn't no, a I don't, No, yeah. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's, it's across the country. Yeah, and, yeah and I'm sure uh, it impacted quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. It just was a very hard job to do. 
the key the key point, and one of the things I noticed, uh, you know, Dale talked about moving south. Um, the the median age in our in our community has changed like by ten years. Oh, that I hadn't realized. Yeah, that upwards um, or downwards? Uh, downwards. It was downwards. like it was it was right around oh fifty fifty one. Mm-hmm. And it's right around forty forty one now. Oh, that's a good sign. It is a good yeah. sign. There's a, you know younger families, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, but you're right. Affordable housing is a is a battle not only in our our area, Cedar Falls, just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Know yeah. a bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you know, to the to older people. You you know you came to town and somebody had a twenty thousand dollar house for sale. Oh man, I can't afford that. I'll never be able to afford that. Yeah. And now you can't buy a little lot for mm-hmm. like fifty thousand dollars. And so just how uh, the money thing has all changed uh, so much. Well, that's what I kind of wondered with with digital nomads. You know, I know it's funny you think about people who work online, especially after COVID, mm-hmm. going to tropical destinations. But there's people like myself. I come home and I'm like looking at the rent prices or the housing prices, and it's it doesn't seem real. I tell my friends what the housing prices are, um, and people in California are just not believing it. Because they're much lower here. Right? Oh, so much yeah. lower. So hearing that even here housing costs, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know that it's it's not unique to cities and um, the more populated states but Uh it is just a national issue uh and you do see jessup having a lot of housing development but not i don't always see just from an outsider when i visit um as many businesses going up but then as i drive through i see there's a lot of new businesses each time i come they're just maybe sharing spaces Well, though someone is the between First Street and the golf course, there's one house there now, brand new house, and I keep thinking that's got to fill in because then that would be very valuable. Pl- you know, houses uh, like over Dyke, the houses they built by the golf course are like five hundred thousand dollar homes or whatever. You know, man, I think somebody's got to. There's a lot of money to be made there by somebody if they can get it started because uh, that's really prime land, and so uh, I expect it'll grow that way is my prediction so you look at the population of our country not just but mm-hmm. of our country and a lot of people can can't afford to build a home no 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 you know and, and not at that's all. The issue. that that is one of the issues yeah. that you know prevents uh, a a town like us from exploding mm-hmm. yeah. um, also also we don't have any rentals available mm-hmm. as well yeah you know that's that's an issue but and, and to go back or to turn it around, I don't want Jessup to be ten thousand people either. Right. I mean, uh, I, that might be good for somebody, but for me, I would just assume it stay somewhere under five thousand or whatever, because I don't want to live in a town where I have to wait more than three cars to make a left turn or whatever. You know, it's just I can't do that anymore. Uh, it just me. I you know, people want a small town. We have Waterloo, we Cedar Rapids. You know, just people come here to live. That would be great. And I have no problem with anybody moving here, but uh, I hope we never lose that small town feel where it's, it's really crowded. And I've lived in California, and I just <laughs> there's a lot of people out there, you know. So we uh, we were t- I was talking about this with someone today. We are sort of at the spot right now where Hudson and Denver were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Jessup is, yeah. You know, Jessup is growing that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. I don't I don't see just a booming either being, mm-hmm. you know because of the housing costs yeah. Et yeah well dale we better get you out of here it's late at night yeah. thank you 
<laughs> You'll be a totter on home. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Thank you for coming in, yeah, Dale. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I feel honored. So. Oh, I appreciate it a lot. Have, right. have a happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Happy New Thank Year. You. Thank you. Yeah. This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest, and we have guest host Kara Mesteller tonight in Cowork 591 News. There's a free work day, Friday, January 6th, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Don't forget, Cowork 591 and Jessup Caps invite you to their variety show, Sunday, January 8th, from at 3 p.m., the location is at Cowork 591 at 591 Young Street. Come support Cowork and J-Caps that day. There, we have uh, an interview with, with Lily Devlin and Savvy Bain today, and they, they will talk about that uh, talent show on the 8th. Then on the 11th, Jessup Caps will showcase Curious about what the Caps Associates have been up to? Stop by the showcase Wednesday, January 11th from 2 to 4 at Coworks 591 at Young Street in Jessup, Iowa. Refreshments will be provided. School news. School will be back in session January 3rd, 2023. Enjoy your break. Obituary-wise, the, the Steve Brown Arts Center would like to thank White's Funeral Home for providing the obituaries each and every week so we can read those and recognize the people from just This is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. As I said today, we have co-host Kara Masteller and probably a large, a large piece of credit goes to Kara for... Uh, Getting us started and get, getting us going um, a year ago, Kara and I had talked about this a lot in, in a way to remember Steve and Kara and Steve had a great uh, give and take in school and they became real good friends at, after Kara graduated. Um, how did you ever? How did you ever um, get started with with Brown? How did you, your uh, your banner with Brown ever get started, Kara? I, for those of you who don't know, have three older siblings. I think they all took his classes. Um, so I'm pretty different from all of them, and I think it caught him off guard. I follow James, and we, <laughs> we're pretty different. Um, we're equally great people, I think, <laughs> to be modest. But um, I think it caught Brown off guard, and it, it uh, was funny for him. I just was Jimbo's sister for the first couple years he knew me, and then... Um, I think he quickly learned how accident prone I am, and then it was it was pretty. I started a fire. I think some of you may remember that in his classroom, um, pretty significant fire. <laughs> I thought if we could just open the windows, no one would notice. <laughs> but I blew up a microwave. I I threw some exacto knives on accident. I mean, so it was his way I think of dealing with the, with that. He was a good sport about it. Tell us about tell us about how you ended up in a wheelchair for a while. <laughs> there, there's a great story about that uh, and how Brown handled that. Um, yeah, so I was, my mom works at um, Cedar Valley, foot, um, a Cedar Valley Podiatry, or Foot and Ankle, and I can say that because they're a sponsor. So it just so happens that we're doubling up on naming them, but I was supposed to be in a foot commercial for them, and I left the commercial um, as an actual patient because there was something really wrong with my foot. And I had collapsed a tendon 
um, just kicking wrong at Joe's kickboxing. It wasn't their fault, it was mine. I won't take ownership for that. But um, So yeah, I was in a cam boot, one of those big boots, My I think my senior year. And then um, I, but I was then moved to crutches after my surgery and I kept falling off the crutches. So the doctor there suggested a wheelchair for my senior year. <laughs> um, and Brown thought this was great. Uh, so he, I, I think Brian, Clo there were some kids in my class who hunted and he got, there's a one elevator in the high school. So there's two floors in the high school and for those listeners who don't know. And there's a pretty, I don't know if it's been updated. The elevator is not maybe the most, um, modern elevator i guess um so i would get stuck in there sometimes just i was slow wheeling out and one day he set up a bunch of um what do you call those things just fake ducks and geese and everything and it's kind of dark over where the trophies are by the elevator so when i rolled out in the dark you just see a bunch of what looks to me like dead birds he kind of just always set up traps outside of the the wheelchair or, um or outside of the elevator and I think it gave him a lot of joy to that, that part of my life. It, it seemed that uh, Brown Brown drew an, a, a a lot a lot of people to his his classroom and to his his class. He, Brown was a welcomer. He was, yeah. It, it, it impressed me. Um, I, I became a, a big fan of, of Steve's over the years because. He welcomed everyone into his class, and and uh, eventually, eventually he 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 welcomed me as a friend. Um, one one of his close friends was uh, Pat Rose, and and Pat died of cancer uh, while she, while she was teaching at Jessup, and that had a had a large uh, impact on Steve. But the uh, Brown got along with everyone, it seemed, Kara. I mean. He treated everybody equally with his surliness. I think he just he he was a softy, but on the outside he you know he liked to pretend to be surly. Yeah, and I think he made sure everyone felt like safe and welcome in that classroom. And I, that that was what I liked most about it. If you look at our uh, others involved with us, Josie uh, Lloyd is our our social media representative, and she was real close with uh, with Steve as well. And you know she she seemed welcome. Spent her spent her study halls in in Steve's room, working on stuff and uh, de developed a, you know a a great relationship uh, after they after she graduated and and uh, Steve had had a great impact on her life as well. Do, do you? Uh, Corey Veith, another student that uh, Steve Steve got along real well with, well with and became a, a good friend with afterwards. Uh, always always gives me a hard time about about the Steve Brown Arts Center. But one of the reasons that we wanted to do this was to uh, keep his name going. Yeah, I think he would be, and I think we have that on the website. Kind of meant to be playful. He. He wasn't ever the center of attention, or if he was, he didn't enjoy that, from what I remember. But he did bring art to the community, and he did make people feel welcome, and he brought opportunities to be creative and to explore creative career paths. And I think whether he likes it or not, that's something, an influence he had, a positive influence he had on the community. So he has to honor that. 
I don't think he would love that we named after him, but, yeah. you know, I didn't love having fake dead birds outside that elevator, so <laughs> here we are. The uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, I met with the uh, Even Dozen Study Club, and there were many ladies in there that had worked with Steve back in the 80s and 90s, and they talked about the effect, the efforts and the uh, impact that he had on Jessup and the arts, the arts in the park, and and what he had done. And one of our goals is to bring bring that back to Jessup. One of the the goals of the Steve Brown Arts Center is to bring that back to Jessup. Mm -hmm. So thank you, thank you, Kara, for everything that you've done for us. Kara, Kara keeps uh, keeps our our website going for us, and you get a chance to go to the Steve Brown Arts Center dot org is where where many of our announcements uh, what we've done and what our plans are so that's steve brown art center dot org on the world wide web thank you thanks for all you do thank you this is steve brown art center podcast network um one of the things we want to talk about today was the mankato uprising um one of my uncles one of my great great uncles um, was uh, was an uncle named William Benson from my mother's side, and he was in the Minnesota Cavalry. And I always thought he was in the Minnesota Cavalry during the Civil War and fought in the Civil War. Well, I found out later that he fought in the uh, the Indian Wars during the during the Civil War. I don't think a, a lot of our listeners know that uh, there were there were a number of Indian wars going on in our in our country during the Civil War as well. Many of the Confederates could get out of prison and if they would fight in the Indian Wars. I didn't I, know that. Yeah. And it was a way to get out of real bad prisons. So obviously at the time there wasn't a lot of money for for uh, war prisons. But a, a terrible event took place in December 26th in 1862. There were 38 Dakota men were were hung in uh, our country's largest mass execution in Mankato, Minnesota. President Abraham Lincoln had ordered the execution following the Dakota War of 1862. A six-week uprising of Dakota people against white settlers after the U.S. broke its promise to deliver food and supplies to local tribes in exchange for surrender of tribal land. Commenting on the starving Native Americans, there was a white trader by the name of Andrew Myrick, or Myrick. Supposedly he said, if they are hungry, let them eat grass. You know, that, it, it was the disrespect we showed the natives in our country at the time. Following the uprising, 2,000 Dakota people were captured and several hundred were sentenced to death. President Lincoln pardoned all but 38 men, and of those 38 men, one of them that was hung was innocent. His, his name was, and I, I won't, won't try to pronounce it, but his name in, in English meant uh, firstborn. When this man heard firstborn, he said, my, my name, or I am firstborn. And so he, he stepped forward and saved a man's life. And he was one of the 38 
that was executed. There was a here's a quote from from a writer, and I can't. I think his name is W. H. Childs. This was as the hangings were as the hanging was about to take place. Uh, they had developed a device where all all 38 were hung at the same time and dropped at the same time. They still kept up a mournful wail, and occasionally there would be a piercing scream. The ropes were soon arranged around their necks, not the least resistance being offered. Then ensued a scene that can be hardly be described and which can never be forgotten. All joined in shouting and singing as appeared to those who were ignorant of the language. The tones seemed somewhat discordant, and yet they were, there was a harmony in it. The most touching scene on the drop was their attempts to grasp each other's hands, fettered as they were. They were very close together as many succeeded. Three or four in a row were hand in hand, and all hands swaying up and down with the rise and fall of their voices. We were informed by those who understood the language that their singing and shouting was only to sustain each other, that there was nothing defiant in their last moments, and that no death song, strictly speaking, was shouted on the gallows. Each one shouted his own name and called on the name of his friends, saying in substance, I'm here, I'm here. I had a great-great-uncle, William Benson, that uh, was in Mankato that day, and... The event had a, a large effect on him. It uh, would be known today as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. You know, watch 38 people be executed would affect anyone. And it probably caused my uncle, or my great-great-uncle an early death because of that. I can't imagine what it did to the families of those Native Americans. This is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with co-host Karen Masteller. Some events coming up um, from the Steve Brown Arts Center. We have a music podcast uh, that we will begin tentatively in January. Kara is home, and one of her one of her goals is to start the Jessup Story Corps. Kara, would you like to talk about uh, Story Corps a little bit? Sure. Um, Story Corps is an app. I think through NPR. It's a nonprofit. Every story that's recorded is archived in the Library of Congress. Um, it was, I think, just created, you know, to help preserve local stories. I think as we see local newspapers struggling throughout the country, what better way to capture what your community's going through than firsthand interviews? Um, and, you know, you might learn something about your neighbor you never knew. For me, I was able to talk to my grandfather about his Alzheimer's diagnosis, which is something that... Um, very, I can't, you know, I, I can't appreciate it enough. Um, so I think anytime you have a question in your mind that you want to ask someone, um, I would encourage you to ask that so long as it's respectful. But I think people are more willing than you might think to talk. And I think it's important to document that. So StoryCorps is a way for us to kind of honor our neighbors and our family members, our community members, uh, to get a better idea so that you know, 20, 30 years from now, that's that's there for us to learn. Um, and we don't have to wonder what their opinion is. You could you can just hear it from them themselves. That, the, the wonderful thing about it is it does go to the Library of Congress and is available to all. You know, many of us have things that we've saved 
through our lives that we can't find or wish right. we we would have. And so that's what I like about StoryCorps. Um, we played we played your interview with your grandpa about three weeks ago, I believe. Oh, thank you. So yeah, and well, for those who, you know, it's an app you can download on your phone or just the App Store, and it's uh, just a big microphone button, and you it kind of walks you through just so you're not intimidated, and then it asks if you'd like to take a photo to preserve that, you know, along with the interview. Uh, you put a name on it. You can make it, I think you can make it private or you can make it public. And then eventually you can make um, a series of your interviews a community. I need to learn more about the community because I'm hoping that's what we can do with with ours. But even if you, you're not doing it as part of our project, if you are interested in it for yourself, uh, just don't be intimidated by that app because it's pretty user-friendly. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Some other things going on at, at the Arts Center. In February 25th, along with Cowork 591, um, we, we have artist Barb Prahl from Marion coming in. Barb is an incredible lady, a 90-year-old artist, former art teacher, and she's going to come in and present a lesson as well as bring in 10 or 15 of her pieces and show them here at Cowork st- Studios. Um, in March of this coming year, the Steve Brown Arts Center is sponsoring a jazz festival at Union High School. And we, we talked about last, last week the Littleton Free Watermelon Day, January, er, July 29th. And the winner of the Joe's Pizza was Derek Marty. He, he texted in. After he listened to the podcast, and we, we need to thank all our listeners each week. Remember, the Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagements. We have two um, special thanks this this week. Thanks to Cedar Valley Podiatry, um, the Foot and Ankle Center at 4508 Chadwick Road in Cedar Falls, Iowa. They, they gave us a, a substantial donation, and we want to thank them. Make sure you support them, please. And also thanks to Judy and Joe Olson over in Independence who also financially supported the Steve Brown Arts Center recently in a, in a substantial donation. Um, if you want to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center, go to the stebrownartcenter.org and click on the right spots, or contact me at Jim Gillespie at jgillespiegolf at gmail.com. Our Facebook is Steve Brown Arts Center at SBAC. J-E-S-S-U-P, forgive us, that's S-S-U-P, like the ones in Georgia. <laughs> and on Twitter, we have the Steve Brown Art Center at Steve Brown Art C1. Um, again, Josie Lloyd runs both of those for us. 
If you have news or would like to sponsor a, us, email us at jgillespie at gmail.com or call 319-290-0241 leave a message. Thanks to Blake Tempest, Tony Lang, and Kelly Sias at Cowork 591 Studios. Thanks to Kira Masseller for, for guest co-hosting. This is Jim Gillespie. Remember, each day is about little victories.